Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined with my friend, Jerry Polly, the person who even got me started in podcasting. So he really needs no introduction to a lot of my listeners, but I want to welcome him to my show. Hi, Jerry. Hey, Leslie. Thanks for having me on. You are very welcome. Thanks for being on. It's it been a while. And I was like, you know what? I need to have Jerry back on my show. He's so loved by so many people. And, you know, I just wanted to shoot the stuff with you. So I know you've recently gone on some paranormal investigating kind of things, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. And I think you might have a true crime story for me, too. So can you talk to me about some of the things you've done lately on paranormal investigating? Well, actually, we're going on one this Saturday to a place called the Rhodes Hotel. It's up in uh, Atlanta, Indiana, which is just a little bit north of Indianapolis. Nice. And this place is really cool. But the reason I wanted to bring this up is because the proceeds there go to a great charity. Mm. The gentleman who owns it is, is a guy by the name of Mike Couch. A lot of people in paranormal circles will know him, but Mike lost his leg a few years back and he realized how hard it was to get prosthetics and stuff. And during this journey, he realized that there's a lot of children who lose limbs and really can't get prosthetics or they don't have the money right. and it's a struggle. So he started the Lost Limbs Foundation. And he owns this place that he's opened up for paranormal investigations. And all of the proceeds go to the Lost Limbs Foundation. Very And nice. yeah, it's really cool. And I can add that in my show notes, if you like, uh, a link for that as well. So, um, are, so you're going on an investigation this Saturday with the Rhodes Hotel in Atlanta. What's the scary things you know? I don't know a lot about it because uh, I try not to, if it's a place that I haven't heard of before. Now, I've heard of them because... We did an event with him at CryptidCon in Lexington about three years ago, and we sat next to him and his sister, Crystal, the whole time. Mm. So that's how I got to learn about it. So I've got a T-shirt and everything that I've gotten back then, but I've never really learned the history of that place. Now, some places, like when we went to the Sally House, you right. you, you know, we've done shows on it and episodes on it. So we already knew the history, and it's well-known, or Waverly Hills Everybody knows the history of those places, but some of the smaller places, uh, I try not to learn the history of if, if I get the opportunity to check it out. Now, like we're going in on August 13th, we're going a little bit from my house, only about an hour from my house, but there's a place called the John Lair House mm. in uh, Renfro Valley. And uh, we've been invited out there and I've purposely not looked up any history of that house because I want to be surprised. But yeah. we went about six, eight weeks ago now up in Mitchell, Indiana, there is a place called the Whispers Estate. Oh. Now, that's one that I did have some some prior knowledge on. It's one of the more well-known places in the United States. Mm -hmm. And, man, that place was so active. Really? We've been to a lot of places, Leslie, and I don't normally have a ton of stuff happen to me in, like, these supposed haunted places. You know, I'll see a thing or two, but nothing that I would say, oh, wow, it blew my socks off. Right. I have more experiences, like, at my own house than I do <laughs> at these most right. famous haunted places. Yeah. And when we went there... It was by far the most I have ever experienced in one location. Really? And I was able to, yeah, I took a lot of video. Uh, so we caught a lot of stuff. Like, I'll tell you. So I'll give you some background of the wow. place. Here's the basics of it. In the Whispers Estate, it was a doctor's home. Mm -hmm. And so he had his practice in the house and the lower levels. And then, of course, the upper levels were the uh, residents. 
and he had a little girl at the age of six years old. Uh, She, unfortunately, this was during the time where Christmas, they would, instead of having electric lights on trees, a lot of times they would put candles, Mm. actual candles, lit candles on trees. And the little girl, six years old, she caught her nightgown on fire and she burnt up and died, unfortunately. Yikes. Well, her bedroom was upstairs and there is a lot of activity in that particular bedroom. Really? Now, years later, yeah, years later in modern times, there was, uh, and I say modern, it was probably the 60s, early 70s. There was a family lived there that had an autistic little boy. I think he was around 14, 15. Mm-hmm. And he took a tragic fall down the steps Yikes. and passed away. Oh. And his bedroom is also pretty active. So if you go to the house now, upstairs in her room, mm-hmm. it is a queen-size poster bed set up. But the posters are the flat, it's got the flat tops on, you know what I'm saying? More like columns right? with the flat columns on. Mm -hmm. Well, they take beach balls, blow up beach balls, and they lay them on both sides of the uh, footboard laying on top. Now, they're not fully inflated, so they don't roll off easy. You know, when you kind of set them down, they kind of set flat. Sure. And they're done that way on purpose. It just keeps them from rolling off and falling off. So, and then the whole bed is covered in dolls. I mean, covered. And uh, then dolls are all around the room. They have nightstands and dressers and Mm -hmm. tables, and they're all covered in dolls. So we're in that particular room. And they're using the, uh, what they call an SLR camera. Mm -hmm. And what the SLR is, it's basically, uh, if anybody is familiar with gaming, they use like the little camera for the Xbox Connect. So it's kind of long, thin. Mm -hmm. But it's, a, it's used as a camera, and they hook that up to a computer or a laptop or a tablet, and they use software. But what this does, the theory behind it, is it will show like if there is a, a ghost or an entity that you can't see with the eyes. It actually shows up on the screen, but it shows up almost like if you've ever seen them make like basketball video games or something where they will hook the player up with all the electronics right. all over their hand Let's and stick the people. electrodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you see it, you see just like the little lines and the dots and yeah. the lines and the dots, but you can see it's an outline of a person. Sure. That's what this thing shows up. So it'll show things in that image that in the shape of a person moving, mm-hmm. but you can't see it in real life. Right. Now, this thing was picking up people to the point where they're like, okay, this entity is over here by the beach ball. Oh. And then you would, then the beach ball would fall off on the floor. And I don't mean roll off. I mean, knocked off. Wow. We could actually have on some of this on video to where there's nobody there and the thing just falls off onto the floor. There's no wind. There's no anything like it. No vents blowing, no ceiling fans in the room. So that happened a couple of times. Uh, once it happened when we were in the little boys room, which is set up kind of similar, the bed and the tables and stuff. We actually had some flashlights, uh, the little pin flashlights that you see a lot of paranormal investigators use that they ask them to turn it on or turn it off. Mm -hmm. So we had those set up on various tables and nightstands around the room where they couldn't be touched and nobody was around them. Okay. And we would ask various questions. Hey, if you're in a room, will you turn the light on? And the light would turn on. Oh, wow. That's really cool because, you know, they can actually, you can actually have conversations with those lights, you know, the flashlights. Like you can say, are you a woman? Are you a man? Are you a child? You know, all those things. And they will respond. And I've seen more interaction with flashlights than almost anything else. Yeah, so we had a lot of that that night. I've been in a lot of investigations where they use the flashlights and eh, hit or miss, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get nothing. Sometimes you get a little bit. This was like almost every question. It worked. And there was two different flashlights in this room. 
And I recorded the one coming on. I actually got caught it on video because we were in pretty much complete darkness. Yeah, so the cameras yeah. didn't work real good. Mm -hmm. But I was able to catch the light come on during one of the questions and then turn off when they said, hey, do you want us to uh, to leave you alone for a little bit? Would you like us to leave? And if you do, turn the light off. And it turned off. I caught that and I caught a door. There was a little door, heavy door. This is a very old house, 1800s built. Oh, wow. And it's got the big wooden doors. Mm -hmm. And you open this one up and it, it leads into a, uh, it's actually a big walk-in closet, but this was big enough to where you could actually make this a, a small nursery. So if you were parents and wanted to keep your child in a room that was close to you, you could have made this. It was big enough for him to put a, a baby bed and still have extra room if you wanted to. Oh, wow. okay. So it's a yeah. huge walk-in closet. Yeah. And inside this closet, they had a bunch of kids' toys, uh, boys' toys, like a, Hot Wheels and stuff like that. Okay. Trucks, dump trucks, that type of thing. And the door closed, was had been closed. It's not an easy door to open. You physically have to turn the doorknob completely and open up. And once it's shut, you can shake back and forth on the doorknob. It's not going to come open. Oh, wow. And okay. we'd already looked in there and we're, we're messing around with some of the toys and we closed the door. It was closed good. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of doing this, that door opened up. Ooh. And I got most of that on video. Really? Uh, so, yeah, so that was really good. Yeah, I put together about a 12, 13-minute video of telling people what we saw and what went on and, wow. and nothing but the video evidence we caught that night. Well, did you put uh, that on YouTube, Jerry, or is that something that we can all watch? It's not on It's not on YouTube. Uh, I'll find it because I've got it saved. I'll find it, and I'll, I'll send it to you, and then you can post it if you yeah, want. Yeah, I'll, I'll put the link on my show notes because I'm sure a lot of people would love to see that. That's cool. When you can get 12 to 13 minutes worth of activity in any one given place, that's a lot. Well, in fairness, the video was 12 to 13 minutes. The activity was probably three to four minutes, but it's three to four minutes of 15 seconds here, 30 oh, seconds right, here. Right, right, it's right. still a bunch of activity, but I explained what happens and a little sure. bit of the history of the house. Rachel was the girl's room. That just came to me. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, I explained some of the history of the house and everything in the beginning and some of what went on. So there's some explanations in the videos. But, but I tried to make it so if you'd never been there before and didn't know anything about it, you would get the gist of what was going on. Right. Oh, I uh, just think that's so but, cool. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's really cool, though. It was definitely the most we've ever had. And the crew that we were with, it was a group called the Paranormal Crew from the 502. It's a group of mostly women paranormal investigators out of Louisville. And I'd always said I wanted to go to Whispers Estate and they had wanted to go and they set it up and took us. And that night we actually set up the Rhodes Hotel that we're going to this weekend. Yeah. Uh, we actually set that up that night because they said, hey, we want we were down to go to Rhodes Hotel, but we can't get anybody to call us back. And I was like, well, it just so happens I know the owner pretty well. <laughs> and uh, I, I sent Mike a text. And he wrote them right back while we were there, and they were so excited that they set everything up that night. So, yeah, that's a really cool setup. Hey, you know what? It's not what you know, it's who you know, babe. Sometimes that's true. <laughs> it's not always the case, but it is more times than not. That is so cool. Um, okay, so I know you have an actual episode you're working on for your podcast, and I would love to hear what you found out for my podcast. Um, it's kind of a true crime story. It's definitely true crime as far as true history. So I will let you take it and tell us what it is. Well, we started doing episodes about six months ago on Saturdays, which is the same way we do Hillbilly Horror Stories, but we're able to open it up a little bit. We, we call it, uh, sorry, the dog back here snoring is driving me crazy. <laughs> 
but we call it macabre misfortunes. So it's usually something uh, tragic, something that's kind of dark, but it doesn't always have to be paranormal. So, uh, you know, we've covered some disasters like the Eastland disaster, which was the ship in the uh, Eastland River in Chicago that Mm -hmm. overturned and killed hundreds of people right there at the dock, basically. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, it gets capsized, turned on its side, and all these people drown. Now, there was some haunting stuff that went along with that, so we told the tragic part, and we told the hauntings. But we cover a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily include hauntings. And, you know, on Patreon, Leslie, we do what we call little shorts uh, during the week where it's just five, six-minute stories. And one of the things we covered was a golfer who was drinking water sold to him by this doctor that had radium in it. And it was supposed to be a uh, like a magic elixir that would cure all anything. And this golfer's famous golfer's jaw ended up basically falling off. Oh, my gosh. Um, from the radium, which is highly radioactive. And it reminded me, uh, as I was telling Tracy the story, I said, you know, there was a very infamous story, way, way more famous than this, about the radium girls back in the early 1920s. And she'd never heard the story. And I thought, you know what? That'll be a perfect episode to do for this Saturday's show. So once again, no paranormal involved, but it's a very tragic story. It's definitely true crime. Yeah, in in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the late 1898, I think it was, Marie Curry and her husband, Pierre Curry. Most people have heard of Marie Curry. Sure. She actually, they, they found radium. They basically found uranianite. I think I pronounced that right. I think it's uranianite, uh, which is basically like a core metal that's only found in certain places that has uranium in it. Mm -hmm. So it's highly radioactive. And they found out that once you take the uranium out of that, Mm -hmm. the rest of it's still radioactive. And But they also found out that it kind of glows in the dark. It gives a mysterious glow, thus the term radium, because you've often heard radiant, uh, meaning bright and glow. So she worked with this stuff so much, she ended up dying in the 1930s, mainly from radioactivity in her body and and the exposure. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, her books and her notebooks and stuff are actually kept in uh, lead-lined containers in France today because they're still radioactive and will be for for years to come. Are you serious? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, they pretty much discovered radium. Well, 20 years later, let's fast forward. We're to World War One. Okay. And they find out that, you know, this stuff glows in the dark, like we were saying. So if they put it in paint, they could use this special luminous paint to do clock faces, mm-hmm. watch faces, instrument dials on planes. That way in the dark, it can still be seen. Right. So this is a pretty intricate painting deal to be painting numbers and, and stuff on watch dials, right. as you can imagine. So they wanted to hire young women because their hands were smaller and they were more set up for success in, in this type of thing, right. for this intricate detailing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're doing something that intricate, the paintbrushes, if you could get them to a nice little point, yeah. the better it will be. Right. So what they were telling, the first of all, they told these young women working in these factories all over the United States that there was nothing harmful about the radium. It was perfectly fine. Right. These girls were using this stuff every single day. And even to the point to where, like I said, they would paint a little bit and then they would put the the tip of the paintbrush in their mouth and in their lips Mm -hmm. and make it, you know, so they could, you know, hold their lips against the brush and make it a point. And they kept doing that. Right. Just like people would lick lead pencils forever, you right. know? Yeah. They, they, hey, it makes it right better. Let me lick this lead pencil. Well, they were doing that with their paintbrushes. Well, the first tip that something should have been wrong 
was these young ladies were first started being called the ghost girls because at nighttime when they would leave, their clothes, their skin, their hair would all have a little bit of a glow to it from this radio. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that part. Wow. Yeah. So the, the initially they called them ghost girls. And a lot of times they would wear their best dresses in there. So they were, their dresses would have a shimmer to them when they went dancing that night. Oh my God. So they, yeah, they really didn't find anything wrong with that. They didn't know. Um, yeah. But then there was a one girl named Molly. Mm-hmm. She's the one that first started showing some signs of problems. Okay. She started having a toothache where they had to remove the tooth. Then the tooth next to it started having problems and it had to be removed. Wow. Where her teeth were removed started to have these like really bad painful ulcers and then pus starting to be there. And eventually this spread through her mouth and she had to have her entire lower jaw removed. Oh my gosh. Then it spread through her body. Mm. And eventually in 1922, she passed away. Yeah. They start uh, realizing that a lot of the other women working in factories are starting to have the same problems. Mm. So they start saying, hey, it's got to be this radium. We'll say like they do big tobaccos, a big radium back then. They basically said, no, that's not, it's perfectly good. Hey, Because radium at this point had been used uh, successfully to treat cancer. Okay. And they were putting it in a lot of products. It was in toothpaste. Oh my God. You know, it's yeah, and cosmetics. So yeah, they were putting in it in stuff already, I guess, but smaller doses. That's sure. different than working with it every day and ingesting it like they were doing by putting it in their mouths. Right. So yeah, so so how could something that's a miracle elixir and a miracle element, you know, be something that could hurt anybody? Right. You know, you can't have too much of a good thing. That's the way it was looked at. Sure. So they fought this and said it wasn't it. But then this kept happening, it kept happening. Well, eventually. They said, you know what? The the radium company said, we're going to have a study commissioned. Mm. And the study said, you know what? Uh, This stuff is harmful. Mm. Well, they didn't like that. So they had some other commissions done that proved the exact opposite. Hey, it's not harmful. So Mm. the American people just went on thinking, hey, it's completely safe. But this thing, there there kept being more deaths Mm -hmm. and more injuries. And eventually in 1927, now remember this young lady, Molly, died in 1922. Right. In 1927, another lady actually sued, and this lawyer took the case. He went after it. Um, in 1933, things were settled. I want to go back. A lot of these women, they were settled before that. 1927 is when the lawsuit was filed. Keep in mind, most of the women that were part of this class action lawsuit, mm-hmm. they were all getting ready to die. Oh. They didn't have years to wait on a lawsuit, so they had to settle for an out-of-court settlement. Mm. But what this did was it put... The fact that the radium could be hazardous on the front pages everywhere. Right, yeah. So at least made people aware. They didn't get the big-time payoff, but they got something before they died, something to give to their family. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in 1933, there was another study that came out that showed, you know what, Um, this is the reason that all these girls died. Oh, okay. And Big Radium fought that. They tried Mm -hmm. everything they could to tarnish this guy's reputation. Mm -hmm. And in the long run, in 1938, it was finally decided, yeah, this can't be used anymore. And all the places that were using it shut down. But it took from 1922 to 1938. You know, it's funny, Jerry, the bureaucracy and the, you know, it's all about money. And it's all about, no, hide the truth and don't let them, don't let them stop doing this. We need this for whatever. And so they end up paying people off to uh, hide, you know, but hey, the truth comes out later on, people. So, wow. that And, you know, unfortunately, people had to die for them to finally say, no, we can't do this anymore. 
that's pretty tragic. Well, the unfortunate thing, people died 16, 18 years earlier. <laughs> and it took that long, even after people died, to, to even yeah. you know fix the problem. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, and I think there's actually, it's called, what is it called? Radium Girls on... Uh, it's yeah, a, the, the, the radium girls is what they were known. Uh, that, that's uh, that's kind of the common the name given to all the girls that uh, collective name they're given to all the girls, right. the radium girls. And I think it's like Showtime or HBO. I'm not I'm not sure what uh, network it's on, but uh, you can probably look it up and figure it out. I can I can put it in my show notes, too, because, yeah, that's serious. That was uh, I remember watching a little bit of that show and it showed the girls. And you're right. But they called them ghost girls, too, I bet, because they their skin was starting to become like they were losing the color in their skin. I remember that too. They had a slight glow to their skin. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's what it was. They just had that. It was like their skin became kind of opaque a little bit and just kind of light. And there wasn't any, like, you know how you have rosy cheeks or whatever. And they, they just kind of started looking like they were walking dead people. It was just so strange to see them, just the way they looked. Yeah. I mean, there was even some of the girls back then would put in the radium on their teeth because it would give them that radiant smile. Oh my I mean, God. it was amazing. They were just putting this stuff everywhere and it was radioactive. Oh my gosh. And see, that's just the tragic part of it. But I want everybody to know about you and your podcast, Hillbilly Horror Stories. You and Tracy do a fantastic job. You're one of the top ghosty kind of podcasts. Tell everybody about your podcast. Well, basically it's all things unexplained is the best way to put it. And uh, you can find us pretty much everywhere. We just hit the 16 million download. Oh my God. Um, I say just, but we're like 150,000 past it. But the reality is we're getting about 160,000 listens a week right now. So even though it's 150,000 past, we still just hit it last week. So we only, <laughs> we missed it by about uh, six, seven days. Yeah. From, yeah. But it's, uh, it's crazy to even think that, well, you know, uh, that people are listening like that. Well, and you know, I, what have you been doing about four or five years now, Jerry? Six years, six years in August. Okay. Wow. I, I keep thinking it was less time, but no, uh, well, you deserve it because you guys come up with some wonderful stories. Tracy's hilarious. You're great at telling stories. And you know, you put a lot of work into it because you write, even though you find stories, you know, to tell people about, you go through and write your own version of everything you know and put it into words the way we love to hear it. And it's, it's so much more entertaining that way than just reading about some haunted house, which I love. Right. Yeah. The Sunday episode that we do, uh, which is usually our part of telling the story, is about 30 to 40 minutes. And it usually takes me about five hours to write. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. And you know, that's the thing. And then going through everything and then just the reaction of and discussing some of the things that bother you or some of the things that kind of scare you or Tracy or whatever. I love the discussion between you two sometimes. And sometimes you go off the chain or off the rail and then you just go into something else, a rabbit hole. Then you come back and you talk about it again. It's just so much fun. Yeah, we try not to do too much of the tangent stuff during the story because I know sometimes if I listen to another podcast Mm -hmm. and every 10 minutes they're on a tangent to where I lose track of what we were talking about again but that gets frustrating so we don't don't, we don't go too far off but uh, we try to save most of those discussions for in between topics or something like that but uh, that's a conscious effort. Yeah, but you know, I love it that it's just an organic conversation too. It's not just, uh, we're going to read a story and bye-bye. You know, you just, you have lots of good interaction. And I think that's part of the fun for me. Well, and obviously Tracy doesn't know anything we're going to talk about. I know. So, <laughs> so that, that helps in that aspect. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I tell you, you have been such a great mentor for me. And you are the reason I even have a podcast. I've already said that. And um, you were right. You told me for a long time I needed my own podcast. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. And uh, guess what? You're right. I love it. And I'm not even doing any writing right now. I'm doing the podcast. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you. And I'm happy to see the progress you've made over the last couple of years. And it's funny, I, I go back because we started with a new network. So I have to go back and, and listen to a lot of old episodes and do yeah. some work to them to get them where they need to be. Yeah. And as I progressed, I just went through last week and uh, I went through all the fear of the weeks. <laughs> and then uh, I, I got to the episode that was the last fear of the week. And then the very next thing that I came to was when we, it was uh, introducing Leslie Fears new podcast because I want to know so I was like it was kind of cool that in a week I was able to kind of cover where we started with you doing for the week and doing the last episode and then playing the first episode of your podcast. Well, I was thrilled. And, you know, hey, it's still on your RSS feed. So anybody wants to go hear how bad I was at first, and how I progressed now. (laughs) (laughs) but no I just love talking to you and you giving me your time and you're always so gracious and you're always like hey let me know when you want me to record with you we'll do it and it's just always so nice and and fun to talk to you and this is a good way for us to catch up so and I'm just so happy with your success and I'm glad you're with the other network sounds like you're doing really well there too yeah it's it's been uh, a lot of adventure over the past six years and uh, we were in places and have done things and are going to do things that we never dreamed we yeah. would be able to do with this podcast. So it's it's been an incredible ride. I know. And, you know, and it's a signature in the background. Ninja, the dog. Yes. Ninja's in the back. Because <laughs> you can hear him snoring. We can hear. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, Jerry, thank you. Thank you so much for being on my podcast again. I love you and uh, we will talk soon. I love you too. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.